Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Give me a few seconds here. We've got our uh, first guest, and actually a, 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 a great guest today, here on our big broadcast. Uh, just uh, released a brand new book. Uh, Pastor Paula White is with us. Author of the brand new book, Something Greater, Finding Triumph Over Tragedy. We also have our two panelists today, of course, as usual, IQ Rizzoli and uh, the great Dan Perkins. And um, Hey, Dan. Yeah, Paula and I know each other, Jim. Yes, yes. We, we become buds. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, I keep her on her toes. Well, that that's that that's good. That is true, and thank you for all you do. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Now, um, Pastor, uh, tell us about something greater. This is a hell of a book. You know, I it took me. It was one of my most difficult but rewarding things to do. It took me almost nine years, two years of writing, and it's my memoir, my story, but it's really God's story. It's all of our story. I start and I write in kind of three different scenes, my childhood. Uh, it was very turbulent and rocky. I came from a very well-to-do family, mother, two masters, doctorate, but my father committed suicide when I was five years old, went mm. through sexual and physical abuse, never heard the gospel till I was 18 years old, and that was a very defining moment in my life because when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I said, I really just want to spend the rest of my life um, helping people. And I, I just, you know, stayed for years and thought, who are you? Who am I? What is life all about? And that would lead me on a pathway that I, I wish I could say I'd look back at my childhood and the 14 times of moving and the displacement issues and all the things that come along with the formation of that and say, well, that was just the, the, worst of it, and there were really highs in my life of amazing things that God has been so good to me, just, just first off, His salvation, and, and then to allow me very early on to know very directly what my purpose was, and that was to serve Him, to preach the gospel, and to make a difference through that way. So we began a church at 23 years old, which is hard to believe. I mean, I think who in the world would listen to a 23-year-old? <laughs> and uh, it started quite... Um, in a crazy way, there was a man that was unfortunately gassed with gasoline because of the color of his skin, and I went into an inner-city neighborhood and began to share the gospel and begin to give people hope and, and feed them, clothe them, and meet their needs in a very practical way. So that little ministry that started with five people became the second largest church in the nation and uh, had extreme success, and then Paula White Ministries was launched out of that, which was a media ministry over 47 networks, saw millions of people come to the kingdom of God, a lot of humanitarian, over 100 countries I've been into, and and then one thing led to another, and I, I again, like I said, wish I could look back at my childhood and say that was the most difficulty, but finding triumph over trials and something greater is really based on Ecclesiastes chapter 3, that God has put eternity in our heart, a divine sense of purpose that no man can fathom. 
And there's a pull in all of our hearts, a pull towards God, a pull towards something greater. And something greater is in a bigger house or bigger car, better job. Might be inclusive of those things for some people, but it is really our portion of God's promises, which is his peace, his love, his joy, his message of grace, his message of redemption in all of our lives that open up our heart. And so I find myself um, in a very um, successful place, but I talk about the lunacy of becoming a commodity. I talk about how there are things I went, I didn't sign up for this. I went through a very difficult time from 2003 we came against pornography very, very hard, and this was all preparation. Of course, when you're in the midst of it, it's hard to see from a spiritual perspective or how things uh, fight against you. Um, we had taken a, a stand hard against pornography in the city we lived in, Tampa. It went all the way to the Supreme Court. Next thing I know, in January, the FBI and criminal IRS is knocking on our door, and I'm very open in my book about everything. People say very authentic, raw, it's vulnerable and um, went through what was a three-year investigation, which was closed in six months. We were exonerated. But uh, it would, from there, just continue to be like, uh, whether it was a PR battle or I'd find myself going through, you know, other other investigations um, in, in many different ways for almost a period of 14 years. My ex-husband had a complete breakdown. Unfortunately, he had gotten addicted to drugs and opened up a door to multiple affairs in his life. and But I believed God for my marriage. I believe in the sanctity and the sacredness of marriage, and I kept believing we're going to make it. You know, this is the one. This is going to be a blip and a radar screen. This is, this is a horrible time. I was deeply depressed. I lost 30 pounds. I talk openly about going through this very dark moments. But something greater is if when you don't let go of God, God never lets go of you. And Micah 7, 8 says that when I fall, not if I fall, but when I fall, I will arise again. When I sit in darkness, his light shall shine. And I really want to help people understand that your season and your situation uh, does not define your entire story. That God is the author and the finisher of our faith. And we will go through some difficult times, but never let go of God. Keep holding to him, because that's the enemy's purpose, is that to kill, still, and destroy, which means to utterly abolish our purpose. And I think we use that word a lot, purpose, but I think 80, statistics are that 89% of people don't know their supreme reason for being their why in life, that they're working jobs they don't like, they're living lives that don't feel authentic, they're, you know, in, in not such great relationships, et cetera, don't have peace, don't have joy, don't have real love. And, you know, God has for you a supreme reason for being. So I help define it, help you discover it, help you. Um, I don't just write about it. It's really the entities. And there's great stories all through there. Kid Rock, I married him and Pam Anderson, Michael Jackson, of course, our president. I became the spiritual advisor. Uh, how after a very unwanted divorce and, and it, it's just a lot of hurt and pain found out that my son at the time was an addict um, and had gotten addicted to crack, an atheist um, and went through extreme difficulties today he's one of the most profound voices and preachers of the gospel and so I don't leave you hanging in just the darkness I take you over and show how God is very redemptive how his grace is sufficient 
how you go through difficulties in life, and our faith doesn't prevent our life or those difficulties. It actually carries us through, and how God is faithful, and that's the essence and heartbeat of something greater. Of course, it's laden with all those stories, stories that have never been told, stories that I've kept um, close. I talk about not just the difficult times with my ex-husband, but how we would walk and pray. He was a man of faith. He was a man that was a visionary, and how the enemy really got in there. And uh, I hope that it will minister, because I said it's not just my story. It's God's story, and it's all of our story in some area. And I end how my mother and I really reconciled how she got saved, because you'll see all kinds of stuff. I wasn't allowed in my parents' home after my mom had remarried my stepfather for naming the name of Jesus, and some of the rejection, and being a woman in ministry, and some of the things I've gone through, and uh, but I didn't choose any of this. I certainly didn't choose, uh, you know, people want to know about the president. I said, it's not something that I sought out or chose or anything. Talk about how that came together and give a lot of stories about him and first lady and the family and, and who they are, not as president, but I've had this relationship for 18 years. So lots of great things in there that will help people discover who God is in their life, land on their feet, and know that he's got something greater. And that's what that is, is that it really is an alignment with God's purpose and plan that you're not a mistake, you're not an accident, you're not a coincidence, that God has sent you here, you're a child of God, and he's got a great plan for you. We have got a great guest with us today. Uh, Paula White joins us here in our broadcast. Something Greater is the latest from her, and uh Dan, uh, I'll start with you. I, I know you've probably got some questions about the book. Oh, I could speak to Paula for a long time. You know, it's it's. Um, we I believe, if I'm correct, you correct me if I'm wrong, Paula. We first met on Jim's show a year and a half ago, two years. Yep. You are right, Dan. You are so right. What what struck me is how much I missed your voice. Almost, almost everything that we have done, we have done through text or email. Email. <laughs> right. But let's, just listening to you and your story, the the passion and the emotion in your in your voice and and the openness of which you speak. Um, I wish we had more time that we could speak instead of just using the the internet. Um, I. I um, <clears throat> I I wanted to ask you in the in the new book. Do you have an audio version? I do. It's an audio, and um, so many people have said they love the audio because of that. They said, in fact, I had a meeting earlier, and one of my uh, dear pastors, he said, Pastor, I just need to hear your voice, you know, and and it really communicates and gets gets it across. So. I got to record that in John's studio, and, you know, it's available everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, BAM, uh, Books A Million, all the places that you can get your books and the audio books, so I did, and I, I miss talking to you, Dan, they've got me running, you know, I think I'm on 20 hours a day or so, <laughs> right. and so, uh, doing, a, doing a few things. I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay? Yes, sir. You yes, know sir. Do you know I have a foundation, Songs and Stories for Soldiers? Right. I want you to donate a copy of your audio book so I can give it to the soldiers on the on the website. Oh, I would love to. Okay. I would absolutely love to. Okay. Will you um, email well, me and tell me what all I need to do? Whatever you need, I'll get it to you. Right. And I'll, I'll send you hardback books, whatever you want. I love what you do. 
You have one of the greatest, I call it a ministry, because it is a ministry. We, uh, I, you probably, I, I may have told you this, I think I did, that, and I think I mentioned at the gym that the, the prevents task force that the president established to deal with um, suicide, the, yep. the leadership team uh, heard about what we're doing and has asked us to participate in, uh, in formulating policies to help deal with veteran suicide. But I think I talked to you or sent you a note about that, and I think it was the I got it. I'm so proud of you. I'm just so proud of what God's doing through you and the difference you're making. Um, suicide has become an absolute epidemic in our society, unfortunately, and many people don't want to or know how to address um, so many of that. And as a person that, you know, as a five-year-old girl, all I knew was my daddy was larger than life growing up those first five years, and then to suddenly see a different side and miss, you know, calculate, and they call it in psychology, of course, the ABC is an activation that creates a belief that causes consequences. So my mother became an alcoholic dealing with her own demons and just dealing with that, you know, guilt and shame and, and you know, the, the disbelief. And he'd been seen a psychiatrist, so he drank that night. Who knows what kind of medication he was on, et cetera, because those files get sealed. And, and But I know as a product of someone that has um, taken their life, you, you fundamentally feel like flawed. What was wrong with me? Why wasn't I enough? Or and what? it's one of the most difficult things. Was it your fault? Yeah, the people that are left behind, you're right, Dan, and your ministry and what you're doing and helping and helping the awareness of people knowing what the signs are and understanding and that that all people can get beneath the baseline. And that's what I'm trying yeah. to communicate in something greater that, you know, we have those dark moments sometimes in our life doesn't make us bad people, doesn't make us, you know, something's wrong with us. It means that, that life feels too much. And when you go beneath that baseline, if you cannot get back up, you know, that's where it becomes very dangerous. And so we're so thankful because so many of our soldiers who've gone to war, gone to combat, gone, you know, the, just displacement, being away from their family for that long, the PTSD, the things that they have to face, um, is is more pressure than often people are equipped for. You yeah. don't learn those things in boot camp. Um, you can't. It's like you don't learn real ministry in seminary. Right. So I want to I want to change something just a little bit. Um, I want to ask you what was it like when you when you first got your call and you went into the inner city to preach as a woman. Uh, what, what was the what was the level of prevalence of women in ministry at that time? I didn't know how politically incorrect I was <laughs> as a woman in ministry because I didn't grow up in church. And I certainly would have never called myself. I went to my pastor. I was in a small Nazarene church, and then I went over to a small Pentecostal church, um, which was uh, even more. And I went to my pastor, and I said, you know, I really feel I have a call to preach the gospel. And he put a broom in my hand, and I was so excited to to clean the church. And then after watching me, he promoted me up to nursery, and I couldn't believe it. I was like, really? This is just anything to serve the house of God. And then this was a real 
key moment in my life. He asked me, it's probably a year into, and I write about it in the book, to teach the two- to four-year-olds. By that time, I'd started to get the word in me enough to know not all should desire to be teachers, etc., because it's a lifetime of learning the word. It's a daily process of transformation in the word, washing our soul and getting rid of all those old beliefs and taking on God's word, which is infallible and truth to me. And um, so I studied 89 hours to be able to break the word of God down for for two to four-year-olds to receive it. So then I'm in D.C. and working in that area. I lived outside of that area, and I was going into the inner city. And what was it like? Um, Let me leave out the as a woman part for a minute. It was exhilarating because, to me, to see a life change, to see someone say yes to Jesus, to see someone who felt hopeless or felt, um, what is, you know, what is life? Is there anything more than just this? Or to see broken pieces. They could be a, a CEO and billionaire and still there's a broken area in all of our lives without when that void's not filled by God. And that's that longing, that's that eternity you put in our heart. And so to me, my oxygen is to see a life that has been changed by the gospel and the power of God. So I, I absolutely love it. I was in some of the most dangerous areas or drug lords and stuff this back in the 80s and didn't realize it. And then, of course, after Rodney King and the L.A. riots, I went right into Nickerson Gardens, Wyverly, Jordan, um, Downs. I was right in the Watts area, and over 50,000 people came to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it would take many years for me to understand. It wasn't until later that the woman thing became an issue. And, uh, you know, it was funny, Dan, I'd go, the people would invite me to preach at their church or at their Bible study or wherever, and I knew they didn't advertise me once I got there <laughs> because I knew there wasn't a picture of my face or anything because when I'd get there, it was like people would look at me like I was some alien or very strange until I'd open my mouth and actually start ministering or they'd take the pulpit off of, or they'd take the, you know, your, your, podium off of the pul- off of the pulpit there and they put it down on the floor because there's a woman um, teaching the word of God I wasn't allowed to stand up on the, the podium and so I, I mean this was just part of this is from the 80s it was uh, far and few in between but um, I, I knew God was a God of perfection I I I understand and I don't you know definitely I'm not going into any kind of theological debate but I understand that um, I didn't ever choose to be a pastor. I feel like I was more a Bible teacher and evangelist. And actually, when I took role of senior pastor, which, you know, I think that God gave me a grace to, because I do believe um, in coveredness. My husband is my covering. I do believe in uh, strong biblical principles. I think, uh, I, you know, I have certain things, but my husband, pretty much ex-husband, bailed on me. And um, he got up one day and to, at that time, about 15-plus thousand people and said, you know, he was taking a sabbatical and I was going in as senior pastor. And I just looked and I thought, so in that moment, what do you do? Do you abandon? And I am not an abandoner. <laughs> and so God graced me, and to my surprise, and I think probably everyone else's, the church grew and exploded and became 28,000 members. And, you know, I'm still trying to work things out with my marriage and, believe God for it to happen. So it's been quite a journey as a woman in ministry. 
quite a journey, but I understand that I don't understand. God gave me hips and lips, and I think he's a perfect God, and obviously I could have never done any of that. I'm I'm not this smart. I'm not this good. I'm not anything qualified except Christ in me to be able to accomplish everything that I've done in my life. Did you walk away from that massive ministry, something else, or are you still involved in it? No, I actually, that was one of the biggest things in my life. Um, You know, so much false reporting, like Paula went through bankruptcy, she did this, and that's not true at all. I um, went, I went after we divorced, I uh, grassly hit right after that. I happened to be in that lucky lotto where they just uh, randomly picked six televangelists, and it was an inquiry, and during that kind of inquiry, Excuse that. During that time of inquiry, um, they uh, we fully cooperated in everything else. It was just a few months after my divorce, and after that time, I was asked by my attorneys to go to Texas. So I moved to Texas, um, and there were reasons for that. I put it all in the book. I'm very open about it. But it's a PR nightmare, fully cooperative, and of course, um, there was nothing of it. I could tell the back scenes of why that happened, which is just absolutely absurd, but I do talk a lot about that in the book. And then um, what happens from there, 2009, uh, I received a phone call from Randy who said, I need you to come back, and I went back, and as I went back to begin to um, pastor, it was on a condition, and that was not met, and I kind of stumbled into a, a press thing, so again, playing out a PR nightmare And I was there, and we saw great restoration. The Lord said, rebuild the altar here, and begin to rebuild the altar there. And I knew that meant, you know, cleansing of the temple, cleansing of the house. Built the congregation back up to, I don't know, about seven to 10,000. And then we had many multiple churches under us. And one of them, our pastor had passed away, and I was overseeing with two other overseers on the board there, and the, the... I was on the Board of Regents, so the board underneath us, which is all part of the legal board, said, would you come to, um, is the New Destiny Christian Center? Well, my two other people that were on the Board of Regents said, we believe you're supposed to go there. So I pastored both for about six months, and I really felt the Lord spoke when I said, that's not an audible voice. He said, resign without walls. That was a very difficult decision, I'll be honest. I wish I could say, oh, yeah, this was easy. But that was 25 years of my life. Um, In the natural, that was two very big buildings. I mean, we pulled those back out of foreclosure. All the nonsense that's been written just is not true. And um, as a lot of, you know, it's this nice studio, uh, multi-million dollar studio, and um, God sent me to a place called Apopka, Florida, which means potato patch. So (laughs) it was quite a difference from being in Tampa. And I resigned the board and walked away from everything, which was a huge move in my life. Um, It was complete obedience to God. And I'm not saying that I'm at all like Abraham or any other great hero of faith. I'm just a former messed up Mississippi girl that God loves and I dearly love him. And that's my story. But I certainly know covenant, I know obedience, and I know how to follow the Holy Spirit. And and, um, when he asks you to leave something or to go somewhere, get up, Abraham, get up out of this land, get up and do this. 
often we shake ourselves out of our comfort zones. Our president sure did. Um, I did. I'm sure many, many of us as believers have to follow the will of God for our life. So what, what are you, are you actively preaching in a, in a congregation today or is it basically writing? I am. I have um, there. It was formerly New Destiny Christian Center. I was senior pastor. It is now called City of Destiny, which we are basically, I'm oversight pastor, and my son is the local pastor of Story Life, and we have many churches under us, and so I, my passion is a church planner, and uh, I write books, of course, and uh, publicly preach and speak. Um, but my greatest two assignments right now, I'm on daily TV, on Daystar, 4 p.m. Central Time. I impact several others. So Paula White Media Ministry is, um, or Paula White Ministry is very large with media and outreach, but also humanitarian, doing our Bahamas Restoration Project, Operation Border, work tremendously just doing humanitarian around the world, and of course the assignment of being the president's pastor. That keeps me quite busy as well. <laughs> So let's 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 move to that for just a moment, if I might, Jim. How, um, I don't know that you, you may have told me the story, but I I'm not sure you did. How did you become associated with our wonderful president? Eighteen years ago, I get a call out of the blue. Our president is watching Christian television, and I kind of laugh sometimes saying if I had seen The Apprentice, it was just when it was starting, right before it started, I, I said, you're fired. They said, Mr. Trump's on the line. And I was like, yeah, yeah, we're playing around, you know, because we have fun in life and ministry. And they said, no, 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 Mr. Trump's on the line. So I pick up the phone, and sure enough, then Mr. Trump said, you're fantastic. You have the it factor. And I said, well, sir, we call that the anointing. And he proceeds to almost verbatim, uh, tell me three of my ser- sermons on value of vision. And I did think to myself that churches was quite large. We were second largest church in the nation. I thought, man, he listens better than my, my congregation. And I was impressed at what a hearer he was and how much he absorbed the word. And it was, I mean, he was just going through it. And that conversation was quite lengthy and extensive. He told me about how he was born into a strong Christian family, and his mother was a praying um, mom and how much influence that she had on his life, and they would go to church every, he'd go to both Saturday school and Sunday, and that was in his, he was confirmed Presbyterian, but how they went over to Norman Vincent Pills, and I think a lot of people don't realize the impact and the formation of that, and, and personally, I think they underestimate the impact of even the strength of the word that Norman Vincent Pills because I, it, later in life, it was, uh, and he stayed, let me stop here, because he, he stayed in that church, and he talked to me about it, and he could recall sermon after sermon, and I, I mean, I can tell you, I mean, and he went to every single Sunday, he says he didn't want to leave, I mean, he loved going to church, until he actually retired when he was 95 years old, and he was there every single week until he was 95, till his retirement. And when I see people, I think, underestimated that, uh, they think of power of positive thinking or something, but they, they don't realize when Norman Vincent Peale really came up. And it was in a time in New York that it was right after the Depression that, you know, our world was in turbulence and turmoil and um, certainly the city of New York and people needed hope and 
so he brought the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ and the hope of Jesus and the message of salvation and redemption but during a time that was you know very despondent for most Americans and so he really helped rebuild people's lives through the word of God and those sermons impacted our president tremendously I remember him telling me about one that meant so much to him about when um, Reverend Norman Vincent Pill was he had used the story of Jim Sloan and I think it was GM and how he'd worked himself out of absolutely nothing and just he refused to quit. He refused to quit. Now think about that today. <laughs> if you've ever heard Mr. Trump, not President Trump, on whether it was on, you know, Bill Zanker learning annex when he was getting paid a million dollars to speak for thirty minutes or whether he spoke anywhere. I mean, whether it was at a graduation ceremony or a business seminar, his sixth point was always, don't ever quit. And he always landed. And I think about that now, how much the word and those sermons resonate in his heart and in his life and in his walk of faith now. Because honestly, I mean, some days I think, uh, if it were me, I would go, I mean, that's a crazy saying, but I'd look at everything and think, Man, I had a great life, a beautiful wife, beautiful children, which he still does, and an incredible business. And, you know, he did this not because he needed it, because he fights for the American people. And the nonsense he's had to go through is just, I've never, none of us have seen anything like it. Yeah, I wanted, I wanted, uh, I'm not trying to hog all the time, Jim, but. Uh, uh, no, 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 not, not a problem. I just was. <laughs> So I want to I want to switch back to another subject if I could, Paula. Um, this is probably a, a controversial way to ask the question, but what happened to God in America? Mm. Well, that's a great question. Um, we can blame. Yeah, we can blame a lot of things. Now, I'm going to take it from a biblical standpoint for, from what I believe the Word of God says. We can look outside and we can say it was government. They took God out of school. We can say that, um, you know, we've taken, I mean, my goodness, the flag out patriotism, but let's say we take the Word out that the church attendance has dramatically decreased. But at the end of that... Um, the world is doing exactly what the world is supposed to do. It is in darkness. It's blind. Um, the Bible says very clearly in Ephesians chapter 1 that Scripture, and I love to simplify it for people, and I tell them in the message version, it says this, that Jesus Christ, and I look and I tell them to read the message version, verse 17 through about verse 23 there, it says Jesus Christ is the ruler over all governments. Overall, and usually that gets everyone's attention right there because they're like, whoa, hold up. And it says there were all galaxies. And he says it has the final word and the final say over everything. And people get really excited about that. You know, Dan, like he's got the final word. But the next set, set, uh, scripture says, but at the center of this, he is the head of the church in which he rules and he acts and he speaks. And so it is through his body. There's not, you know, we don't have, there might be identity politics, but there's not identity church. There, there's not a 
black church, brown church, white church. There's a blood-bought church. There's one church, the Church of Jesus Christ. And while we have many denominations and all, he came with, there are many members, but there's one body. And as he rules over the head of the church, and there are many members, that he acts and he speaks and he moves through. And it goes on to say, and the church is not peripheral to the world, the world is peripheral to the church. So I have to say, and I pray that, you know, I don't expect someone that doesn't have a foundation of faith to understand even what I'm talking about right now, but that I pray that there is an awakening in the church. Because if the church doesn't awaken, then we have no influence spiritually. And the Bible says very clearly there again in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3, Ephesians 2, that we're, goes through how he saves us by grace and then how we're seated in heavenly places. And we have heaven's perspective and influence in the earth. And that was given to us by the finished work of the cross. And so it wasn't just to get us to heaven. So when we give up our rightful place, how did this happen? You know, I think if we don't get involved in, I'm not saying compromise to world systems, but if we don't have influence, have voice, have impact, then, like I'm told back when Rex Humbard was on TV, that back then, you know, in the 50s or so, everybody thought TV was the devil's box. So the church just let it go to the world. We think about Steve Jobs, who created Apple, and all of us pretty much have some kind of iPad, iPhone, something. With all due respect, he did tremendous things. He's a Buddhist. And so we sit there and we think if the church does not, those of us who are believers, do not influence um, the world and bring heaven's perspective, very easy to say how we got where we got. It's a, you know, you, you let, we've let it happen. So I, I, I wish I could go, well, then it's their fault, it's this fault. But I personally think the church has a lot of um, ownership and responsibility. And those of us who understand that, we actively participate in that, knowing that our faith is not, it's not like we just have a Sunday life. You know, I'm just like, I have a work life, I have a home life, I have a God life. No, you have one life. And as a believer, God is part encompasses all aspects of that life. We've got a, a great guest with us today. Paula White joins us. She's here talking about something greater, finding triumph over tragedy. We've also got the great Dan Perkins with us today and IQ Al-Rizzoli. Um, IQ, uh, sitting back and listening to all this, uh, do you have any questions for Paula? Well, we've got you here, my friend. Yeah, maybe I missed something, but she said she was investigated by the FBI I can't understand why a devout Christian should be investigated by the FBI. Did I miss something? Yeah, when we first uh, we came against the uh, we came against pornography very hard in the city of Tampa. There were three thousand zones that were zoned to be um, that were zoned for adult centers. And so you couldn't put in schools or churches, etc. And if you guys remember the six foot ban. It got overturned, but uh, for lap dance, um, we helped uh, with the city council um, overturn so that the, the zonings that basically had locked up the city of Tampa, um, that that was overturned, at least for a period. Um, when it got to Supreme Court, um, they did do away with that lap ban, but the mayor, Dick Greco, at the time, and 
several businesses were able to come in and, and churches and schools, et cetera, et cetera. Well, we didn't understand either. Why does the uh, IRS and the FBI show up at your door? And at the end of being exonerated in six months, and I write about it in detail in my book, and being cleared, um, we were told because you've got to have, have obviously teams of attorneys, and they put you through everything you're going to go through. And everything was very clean, and, and we were told, uh, who on the inside hates you? That's what we were told. And it's just it's just like right now. I know somebody will get upset about this. I'm not being a conspiracy or anything. But uh, our books hit number one on Amazon, which I'm super happy about. And lots of people are doing reviews. Uh, but I think about 20-something reviews have actually gone up. And we've had over almost 100 of them come through our ministry or come to me personally saying, I, got a rev- I did a review, but it's not, it's not going through. It's not going on. They won't let it go on. So, I, I mean... I'm hoping it's just a technical glitch, you know, but some of the things I've gone through, (laughs) I'm wondering if it's not more. So, unfortunately, these things are very real. I think it prepared me to be in the position that I'm in um, to understand what what, uh, our president is really fighting because I've fought some of those battles myself. Question. When you speak about the church, the way I look, the church is the body. The church are the individuals who believe in Jesus. It can't be anybody else. Amen. Amen. How am I wrong? I, no, I totally agree with you. 100%. That's what I was saying. Ah, because when Dan was asking, what do you think was happening in America? The reason what's happening in America I'll always come to the same conclusion. The society is built from bricks. The bricks are the family unit. When the parents do not bother to go to the church or to the synagogue, or they don't bother to go to the teacher or the headmaster when they are indoctrinating their children with garbage, that's the failure. That's why America failed. By the way, the same thing is happening in Europe, or has happened in Europe. Total failure by the parents. I, I agree with you. It's a Judges chapter 2, verse 10 moment. They were one uh, generation away from falling away from the commandments and the laws of God, which brought extreme devastation to a nation. Um, when we take God out of things as the church, that was my whole point of Ephesians. Uh, when we take God out, then that's what begins to happen. What is the solution in your opinion? Return to God. Repent. <laughs> well, you know, God uses the same uh, solution always. And you look at the book of Joel, where there was extreme desolation. There was consecration. And out of that consecration came great restoration. He uses it with Hezekiah and Ahaz. When you see that there was extreme um, idolatry, and where Ahaz, who was a very wicked king, um, his son Hezekiah comes to rule when he's 25 years old, will rule for 29 years. And the first thing that he's going to do is he's going to cleanse the temple. He's going to open up the doors of the temple. And the priesthood that was left there, um, you know, that was corrupt, there was a cleansing of the unclean things. And that's all, uh, that's all repentance. I changed my mind. I changed my direction. I think we have to open our hearts back up to God. And, I mean, what we're doing is not working. 
if if we're seeing you know why are we such a small percentage of the overall population in the world and yet we are the biggest consumers of drugs i mean our president is fighting a battle like never before you know spending six billion dollars and funding to fight the opioid crisis but yet we have the greatest um thing our suicide rates as dan and i talked about are are going up extremely high so you know when we're spending so much money to try to help the symptom and we've got to get to the root of that which is return to god and that's what happened and in eight days there was restoration because there was a there was a cleansing of the temple a cleansing of the priesthood and then there was a cleansing of the people they brought peace offerings uh thanksgiving offerings burn offerings and so you see the same pattern throughout god's word and god just says return to me and i'll return to you over and over and so there has to be and unfortunately one of the largest growing um religions in the in america right now is atheism and agnostic and so that is very tied to socialism. Our president understands religious liberty. That's why he's first to speak at the UN on religious liberty. Also, the State Department Ministerial Alliance, over a thousand, um, both times coming for the religious freedoms. I mean, he's such an advocate because he understands the with religious liberty comes political liberty. And and we're looking at the opposite right now. I mean, we're looking at. Just, what, a few weeks ago where 2020 Democrats waged war on religious liberty, whether it was Beto O'Rourke pledging to financially punish churches and faith-based charities if they don't have the same beliefs as he does, or Cory Booker plans to use the DOJ to go after churches and schools because of their religious beliefs, or he accused the Catholics of wanting to use religion as a justification for discrimination. Even Elizabeth Warren mocked traditional marriage. I mean, if, if we must wake up, may, may God just remove the veil off everyone's eyes and us really get quiet and still before the Lord. True. Unfortunately, I keep repeating myself, 47% of Americans are brain dead. Those who support <laughs> the Democrat Party, they can't get out of it. Honestly, they can't. It's impossible. Well, I believe that God's got to, you know, the Bible talks very much, as we know about uh, in Galatians, that an entire region was deceived, and there were doctrines of devils and uh, seducing doctrines, and, and I, I really believe that there's got to be a, a spiritual awakening, that there's the blindness, because you can't, we're, you know what we're fighting. I mean, we're we're not just fighting. We know President Trump is one of the most pro-life president. He defunded Planned Parenthood, cut Title X funding, reinstated the Mexico City policy um, for uh, foreign abortions. We can go on and on. And, and those of us who've been pro-life and know the Word of God recognize that we're no longer just fighting for the the unborn. We're fighting for the born now. When you can literally, like what Virginia and New York, when you're when you're looking at uh, what has taken place and, and say, you know, at nine months, late-term abortion, infanticide is what it is, when you can say, well, well, it's a boy, I don't want it. And it's brutal murder. It's just absolute insanity. Um, and there's got to be, and we can, the only other nation that does that, it used to be China, China as well, and they, their policies have changed some, but it's is, is, uh, North Korea, to my belief what I was told and so from a spiritual perspective when you see that you say what what has happened because that was not how our nation was founded as we all know our forefathers came over and no one's ever been perfect no one will ever be perfect but they put those little white crosses 
and planted them along um, Plymouth and, and walked along that coastline and dedicated this nation to take the gospel to the world as a beacon and a lighthouse. And may we return to what our original intention was supposed to be all along. I find that you have two advantages. First, you are incredibly positive, And second, you have an excellent voice, which is clear. I'm sure somebody can hear it from the from the pulpit all the way to the back of the church. <laughs> Sir, I humbly receive that. I just, I'm passionate. I love God. I love people. And I, I just, you know, I hate the enemy. I hate the destruction of the enemy that started early in my life. And I know God's goodness and what our nation was intended to be and God's plan for our nation and the world. I wish you the best. Thank now, you, sir. Now, Dan, uh, do, do you have do you have some more questions here for Paula? Of since we've, we've got of course her. I do. <laughs> Was there ever any doubt, Jim? <laughs> Paula, I'm gonna I'm I'm going to deal with some of the things that you have talked about, but I'm going to put it in a different perspective. Okay. Um, I think that. We don't know it yet as a nation, but I think we are we are headed towards a major reawakening. Mm -hmm. And that, that reawakening is going to come from the inspector general, the, the, the states, the U.S. attorney in Connecticut and the attorney general. We are going to find out over the next three to six months we're going to find out how ugly our government and our country really is. And I think it's going to be so repulsive to people that that's not my country. We're going to see a fundamental change in how we approach life and the importance of life, the importance of taking care of our fellow man. And when I call it Christianity, that's fine. We still we have to go through this catharsis, and and I suspect and I I have written about this you may not remember it, but I honestly believe that there is a possibility that um, former President Barack Obama will in fact be indicted by a grand jury, and that will bring crashing down based on the evidence things that people have believed based on what the left is saying will crash, and they'll be despondent. They won't know what to do when they find out how much they've been manipulated, how much they have been misled, and how much the American people have been captured and held hostage to a belief that is not true. Truth has to ultimately win. The Lord is Amen. the truth in the way. And so I really think that that's going to happen. And it, and it will, it will be the beginning of a change in this country that um, we, you know, I work in the area of, of, of veteran suicide, and that's, and that's a terrible thing to have happen. But in the relative scheme of things, we get maybe 9,000 veterans who kill themselves each year, and that's a, that's a bad number. But, Paula, we have 50,000 people who die of opioid overdoses in in Appalachia because they're despondent. They're 
they're, 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 right. think that has where life has anything or any meaning to it. We have over a hundred thousand people who die in overdoses in the rest of the rest of the country. So we have a we have a clearly a depressed country who has no hope. And if you don't have a spiritual component to your life, it's not unusual to see that you have no hope. Correct. And what America needs again is hope. Amen. Dan, that's so true, and I believe you. I believe that there's a great awakening, and I just believe that um, we are seeing the I don't know if the, no man knows the times, the seasons of God, but I do believe that we are in the uh, that point of seeing just the greatest awakening. And, and, and the great awakening, when we say that, is exactly what you said, that deception will be revealed and and God's truth will stand, and may people's eyes be opened. And that is my heart and my prayer for this nation and for people, because without it, like you said, when we continue to see, and there's been so many studies on this, it's, it's really sad. The more materialistic the nation became, the more we walked away from God, the greater these problems became uh, with drugs, with, you know, the opioid abuse, with suicide, with um, displacement, with broken families, with broken marriages, and all-time all rates high. And I think, I know my son and his generation, there is something different that they are saying, we really want truth, you know, and, and they are, uh, those that are, that I know that are believers and saved and are, they're seeking God for that and saying, like, this sure didn't solve it. And so we've got to wake up. I don't, I don't know the exact percentage, Dan, but I know I was in a listening session, and it just shocked me. I think it said what we were 5% of the overall population of the world or something, and yet we consume 95% of the drugs. It was astonishing to me. I mean, it was just like, what in the world has happened to us? And I have a 1-year-old and a 3-year-old granddaughter and grandson, and you can't hardly turn on TV or any YouTube or anything. And, I mean, I, I say that with all sincerity, of just finding decent programming where they're not killing off a father or, you know, I mean, in a cartoon. It's just emasculating or confusing you about your gender. Or We're talking about a little uh, one through three. You know, my kids are very grandchildren, live next door, and my heartbeat and my something greater. And um, But, boy, what times we live in. So... There is a remnant that has risen up that really carries forth a heart of repentance to see the restoration of all God's promises. Right. How's, uh, and how's, we've got to pray. We've got to pray, Dan. Yes, I know. And I thank you for your stand that you're taking, but we know this, that intercessors are crucial during this time because right. it is through the prayer. That's why the disciples come to Jesus and say in Matthew 6.10, they said, they don't say, teach us how to build a big church, teach us how to do homiletics, hermeneutics. They said, teach us how to pray. Mm -hmm. And that's where we go into, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in the earth. Interesting words, because the two words in and the Greek are two different. One's en, one's epi. And um, what it's talking about is we superimpose the will of God from eternity into the earthly. And that is through the power of prayer. And that's right. why we must fall on our knees. That's what God says, that that's when he heals our land. All right. So how's the president? 
You know, the president is doing well. I say that um, under immense kind of pressure that I, I honestly, I look at him and I see everyone else. I talked to him this past Friday after a very long day. Um, and it's, I mean, just from, just look at him. I mean, you, when you look at him and you say anyone else who's been in office ages, um, like 20 years in the first three years, he looks younger. I mean, he is just, he's so full of energy. The, the abuse, and I'm going to call it that, that's taken place, uh, to his family, that, that's hard on him. I mean, if Ivanka were a Democrat, she would be heralded as one of the most, um, you know, greatest women there is, the things she's done for um, children and uh, child care and women around the world, knowing that 90 cents on every dollar that uh, goes into small business from women goes back into family. It strengthens families. It builds them. She's amazing. I mean, I remember one Thursday, I've been, I've known Ivanka since she was a young teenager, and uh, uh, one Thursday we had a really big, important event up in uh, D.C., and, and I said, wanted her to be there there was you know some very important people there and she said i'd love to but i've got a very special date and i thought well her and jared are going out with someone great she said paula I, you know i've been gone a few days and she just won't miss a date with her kids and it's just she's a phenomenal mother phenomenal wife and so first lady as well i mean she's brilliant speaks five languages i mean did not enter the marriage with then mr trump is you know, a poor woman needing something was very, extremely successful. She's classy. She is, look at the the uh, event she put together for the Australian Prime Minister. It tends to every detail. I mean, her staff is very small in comparison to other former administrations. <laughs> and so, but th- that, those are the things that bother President more than anything, I think, is the attacks against his family. He's such a family man. He loves First Lady pieces he loves his children his grandchildren and and it's not the personal attacks against him it's what everybody thinks but you know he punches so, back everyone knows that we're almost out of time, <laughs> we're almost out of time. I, I have one more question to ask you you've got it what do you think and i, I want to talk to you i'll talk i'll call you in the next few days talk about a new ministry that i'm in but anyway um what do you think he's going to do after he's done with the presidency in eight years Oh, boy, that's a great question. You know, I haven't dare ask him. <laughs> um, I hope he enjoys life, but knowing him, well, he's enjoying. He is a person. I write about this in my book, his father, who had tremendous impact. Um, when he was sitting on my uh, program one time, and people have, you know, short-term ministry, um, uh, mindsets, memory, excuse me, and uh, maybe they have the ministry too, but uh, mindsets and memory, and I said, you know, what, what do you do? And he, he's not a guy that retires. He just is not. He said, my father was always happy and, um, he worked and he, he loves his life. He loves getting up and working. He loves his life with his uh, family and he's got a very understanding wife. And so I, I know one thing he won't do. He won't ever sit back and go fishing. So <laughs> what's next? Who knows? But, right. um, it's yet to be seen, but I know he'll do something greater. There you go. Good, there you, you go. Good landing point. <laughs> right. We'll talk soon. Okay. Be blessed. So good to talk with all of you. Now, now, Paula, before we let you go, uh, how do people get the book? How do they get you online? All, all, all the different things. 
Thank you so much for asking. They can go to Amazon, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble, um, somethinggreaterbook.com. So I'll say it again, somethinggreaterbook.com. And it's got so many of these stories, so much of what we talked about. Or, you know, check us out at paulawhite.org, and they can find out where I'm going to be speaking or what my schedule is, et cetera. Join me for the book tour. I'm going to be at uh, Pastor Jensen Franklin's church this Wednesday and right outside of Atlanta and all over. So love for them to get that information, tune into where we are on TV, and, and just stay praying. Keep praying and pressing in. So uh, get your something greater. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. Everyone's saying page turner. Fantastic. Well, uh, as we wrap up here, um, Dan, how, how, how do we get a hold of you online, my friend? The best way to see whatever I'm doing when I'm writing to Paula or other people is just go to danperkins.guru, G-U-R-U, and you'll find everything on there. There'll be a link to our our foundation songs and stories for soldiers.us. Fantastic. And IQ, how, how do we get a hold of you and your books and everything? Uh, Google my name, Al-Rasuli, A-L-R-A-S-S-O-L-I, and my book is on Amazon, Lifting the Veil, the True Faces of Muhammad and Islam. And God bless you all. Fantastic. Well, uh, thank you, Paula, and thank you, guys, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye. There they go, and uh, that is that. That wraps it up. It is our... Thursday edition of the world famous Cheeky Jaguar Radio broadcast, and uh, we will see you next time. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.